The following message is brought to you by the CD and Internet Ministry of Rancho Baptist Church. This message by Pastor Matt Shia was recorded during our morning worship service. Pastor Matt is the senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. We want to thank you for having us, and really, uh, this church has been one of our faithful partners from the very beginning. Um, when we went out, uh, we were appointed 19 years ago and left about 17 years ago to go to um, Belgium to be church planters. That's how it started out. We were 11 years in Belgium, then went to four years to Scotland, where I did further um, uh, training, got further education, and now we've been two years in France. So this church has been a faithful partner with us through all that. So we want to thank you, and we really do appreciate that. That means so much to us. Um, my present position uh, in ministry, the main thing I do is I'm a teacher. I, I'm a New Testament professor, and so most of what I do is teach through books of the New Testament. I, uh, this last semester I taught through Romans, I taught through the pastoral epistles, I've done um, Hebrews and Acts and other books like that. So uh, normally I teach through a book. And then another thing I do is we're involved in a local church where we live, and I'm on the preaching team of that church. And so I preach um, from time to time, and we're, just, we're finishing up a series on the Gospel of Mark. Before that, we did a series on Daniel in the Old Testament. And so normally when I um, teach and preach, I go through a book of the Bible. And this morning I'm going to throw it all away. I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to share with you some things that I've been learning uh, recently, and, um, and hopefully some things that are an encouragement and a challenge to you. So I've called this some uh, discoveries, some reminders, and a challenge. Um, just to jump into it, um, from Philippians, I've, uh, well, you saw in the video there, I was uh, a speaker at our church weekend. If you saw me there, there was a couple seconds I was standing in front of a group, and that was our church weekend uh, for our church in France about a month and a half ago. And they invited me to be their speaker. And one of the things I shared uh, about was um, Philippians. And I discovered something in Philippians 3. It was new to me. Now, Philippians um, 3 is a great uh, chapter and, and a great book. Um, Paul talks about at the beginning of that who he was as a Pharisee. Then he says, that doesn't matter to me anymore what I was. I consider that all rubbish and what I want now is Christ. And what I want to do is follow Christ. And that's verses 7 through 11. And then he talks about his passion. And he says in verse 12, I'll read verses 12 to 14. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now that's a, that's a great passage. That's Paul's passion. He talks about straining forward to, to be what God wants him to be. How many of you have heard that passage before? Oh, this is a good uh, RBC crowd. Looks like about 100%. Um, it's a classic passage, and it talks about Paul's passion to know Christ. Well, my discovery came when I was 
um, teaching on that, and then I was reading the whole context and read the following verse. Verse 15, Paul says this, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. That struck me as a discovery. Passion is a mark of maturity. Interesting. A lot of times we think of passion, you know, those who are really on fire for Jesus, those are new believers. Someone that's just come to faith for Christ and they want to tell their friends and family about what they found in Christ. And we think that's new believers. And then, you know, uh, after you've been around a while, you'll get comfortable, you'll calm down, and then you'll just live uh, kind of a normal, sedate Christian life. But Paul says the mark of maturity is passion, is this desire to strain forward to be what God wants us to be. That was a discovery for me and, uh, and a, something that convicted me. I'm not always the most passionate about my faith, and so uh, to hear that and to read that, that was a, uh, a discovery for me. Um, the next thing I wanted to see with you is something that's a reminder. It's putting some things together. Um, it comes from a, a question we can ask about Paul's passion there. We, can, we see Paul's passion. We can ask, what is he passionate about? Well, in the context, it's Christ. He's passionate about knowing Christ, who is Christ, um, to, to, um, to know him, to live for him, to serve him. That's what uh, Paul is, is passionate about. And then we can further ask, well, what does that look like? How do we see that? You know, if, if Paul is passionate for Christ, what does that look like in his life? Well, if you look at Paul's life, the way it was lived out was through mission. It was through telling others about Christ. That's what Paul did. He went around um, trying to um, uh, tell others about Jesus Christ, starting churches, and moving on. Um, If that's Paul's passion, it's something that maybe that needs to be a reminder for us. Um, There's a good uh, uh, passage where Paul talks about that, and that is... that the church has a mission. It's right at the end of 1 Corinthians 10 and the beginning of 1 Corinthians 11. Beginning in verse 31, he says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now that's an interesting little passage there. That, uh, Paul talks about why he does what he does. He, does it, uh, he, he doesn't do it for his own good, but for the good of others, so that they may be saved. And then he says, follow my example. And I'm following the example of Christ. That's what Christ did. He didn't seek his own good. He sought the good of others. That's why he went to the cross, for the good of others, so that they may be saved. That's Christ's example. That's the example we're to follow. Now, if you've been around uh, church a while, you've probably heard this before, that the church has a mission. Um, This is one verse that talks about that, but there's some more classic verses like uh, Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world and make disciples. You've heard that before? Yeah? A couple, yeah. Okay, classic, uh, classic mission verses. Um, really, that's probably a, a reminder for, uh, for you and for me, something we've heard before. 
Um, something else that was a discovery for me um, recently is um, a discovery about this idea of mission in the history of church and theology. Now my main role is as a teacher. Before I was involved more in church planting, but now I'm more involved in teaching. And it's been interesting to see how mission is, or rather sometimes is not, involved in the way that we teach the Bible. Um, this came. Uh, this really hit home in, in a conference I attended recently. The speaker was, um, well, he used to be a, a World Venture missionary, and now he's the president of Denver Seminary. And he, well, he said this about his um, experience. This is the ups and downs of mission in theology and in history. He said, Having committed myself to the Lord in college, I came to seminary with a passion to know the Word and to change the world for Christ. During my time at seminary, my passion for the Word deepened. My passion for the world waned. Somehow, any sense of mission seemed absent from formal studies in theology and exegesis. How did this come to be? That's a good question, and that's something as a Bible teacher and being involved in Bible schools, I began to think about. He said this, this uh, as he went on to talk about um, the New Testament and mission. He said, <clears throat> there seems today to be a schism between theology and mission. He said, today the New Testament is popularly and mistakenly understood by many as conversations about doctrine carried out by Christians for the sake of other Christians. In like manner, the early church period is often thought to be an extension of this conversation as competing theologians squabbled with one another over the minutia of theology. Both of these images are incomplete, if not wrong, altogether. A more accurate image is that the New Testament documents are composed by apostles and leaders fully engaged in the most daunting mission ever attempted, the proclamation of a parochially received and understood Messiah in the, in the corner of Palestine, in the, in the corner of the empire, as Lord and Savior of all to the entire Roman world. That was the mission of the early church, and that is the, the, the context in which we have the, uh, the New Testament is written and proclaimed. So this, uh, this kind of struck me that, yes, the, the, uh, the New Testament really is about mission, and it's not just about uh, theology and, and uh, teaching. It shouldn't just be about content transfer. You know, I teach a class on Romans, so um, I'll, uh, my goal is to have the, Ro the, the students understand um, an outline of Romans and the content of Romans, and then we're done. Um, I want uh, that to be more, there to be more to that. Um, if they want, really want to understand Romans, they need to understand the heart of Paul who wrote Romans, who was a missionary, and he's writing it, and part of his goal is to help unify this church that seems to have a Jew-Gentile split. It also, one of his goals is for um, Rome to be a launching pad for a further mission to Spain. That's what he says uh, toward the end of the letter. I want to come to you as I continue on in mission. Um, so we see that mission really is a uh, a central thing in what Paul is proclaiming. Um, it's, uh, it's a central thing and really in what of all we should teach. And so this is something that um, 
God has been speaking to me about some as, in my teaching particularly. And it comes as a, a reminder, again, if you've been in church for a while, you probably know this verse where that each of us is called to have some involvement in mission. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. He's speaking to the apostles, and I think by extension, this is really to all believers. We're to have some um, contact with the world around us, sharing the good news of Jesus. So this reminder, to me, uh, we, um, I've been trying to implement that in, in some different ways, and, and we have, uh, Lisa and I, um, in where we live, um, Lisa's uh, been a, uh, both a, an example to me and also a conviction sometimes is she's been involved in some different things in our community to be missional, to be reaching out. She's been leading a, a prayer walks at our church. This is a new thing that we've tried recently in this, this last year. Um, what we do is on Saturday mornings we get together and she organizes this. We go up by twos in our community and pray. Now, there isn't anything magical about walking and praying. Um, you don't get 50% more effectiveness in your prayers because you're walking than because you're sitting. But what it does is it gets us out of the church. Sometimes we talk about in the church a, a fortress mentality, and it gets us out into the community. And so we walk by the, the high school, and um, we knew a while ago there was some drug problems at the high school. So we prayed about that, prayed for the students there. We go by, uh, there's a synagogue in our town. And so on a Saturday morning as we're praying, it's, uh, it's Sabbath, so Orthodox Jews are coming to worship. And we pray for them, that they might come to know Jesus as their Messiah. We go by the market, and we see all these people out uh, buying and selling and, and interacting, and we pray for those people. Um, this is a way to get us out and to be thinking about uh, those around us. So that's been a, a way to be missional. Another thing that's happened, uh, you saw in the video, there was a couple pictures of um, Lisa and our neighbor, and um, our church has been uh, offering a, what is called an Alpha course. I don't know if you've heard of that before. It started in England, and it's big now in the UK and in the continent. It's a way to evangelize um, our, our friends and neighbors. And so our church has been offering this, and Lisa invited um, our neighbor to go, and got up the courage to do that, and she said, well, I'll come to the first one and I'll see. And what it is, is it's a, it's a way... Um, you have a, a meal together, first of all, and the French do meals pretty well. So you have a nice meal, just general discussion, shoot the breeze. Then you have a, about a 20-minute presentation of some aspect of Christianity. Who uh, is the Bible reliable? Who is Jesus? What is the church? These kinds of things. Then there's a discussion after. You have coffee and dessert, and you sit around in a group of Christians and non-Christians, and a, a question is thrown out, and it gives... Um, people who, uh, maybe it's their first time in a church, but a chance just to share their experience. You know, have you read the Bible before? What, what do you think about it? Uh, what's been your experience? Um, it gives them a chance to share and to kind of process what's been said. So our neighbor came to this. She said, well, I'll come to the first one. And then she came to the second one. And then she, uh, each week she would just commit one week further. But she ended up going to all 13 weeks. After that, our church offered a, a marriage course, um, building a healthy marriage based on biblical principles. And that was, um, uh, you know, that was over a seven-week period. And so we invited our neighbor, her and her husband. And he was much more skeptical. And he said, like she did to the previous course, she said, well, I'll come to the first one and I'll see. So he came. Then he came to the second. 
and the third, and he came all seven weeks with his wife. And so uh, these are some ways that our, our church is trying to reach out through these things to our uh, neighbors, to our community around. That you might continue to pray for them. They've heard the gospel clearly now. We don't know quite where they're at um, with, uh, with regards to their relationship with Jesus, but we know they've heard and they're, they're close. So we would ask you to continue to pray for them and to our witness in the community. Um, some ways that I've been able to be involved in, in some missional type things, uh, one is through my teaching. Um, it's exciting for me to be able to teach in, in French-speaking Europe. I teach mostly in Belgium, France, and Switzerland. And um, some of my students, well, one of them is a guy named Mesme. And that's not a French name. It's actually an African name. He's from Togo in West Africa. And his church, he attends a big church there, and they send him up to Belgium to get further training. And when he finishes next year, he's going to be the director of their Bible school. They have 60 students in a Bible school down there. And uh, Mesme is my best student. He's great because he takes all kinds of notes. He, he really tries to do the best he can in class. He says, yes, I want to get a good grade. But more than that, in a year, I'm going to be teaching all this stuff. So he asked for all my notes. He asked for classes that he hasn't even taken. But he said, you know, we'll probably be offering this class. We're going to model our school on the Belgian school. So we want to have this stuff to offer. So, you know, whatever you have uh, that I can that I can take down there. So it's, it's a great multiplication of ministry um, to know that what, what we're teaching up in Belgium is going to be passed on down in West Africa. Another thing I've done recently that has been a, um, a, a, step, a, a new step for me to be involved more with mission in my teaching is a, an assignment. Um, when I went to that conference and I heard that speaker challenge us as theological educators to be more involved in mission, um, I decided to begin a new thing, and that was in my classes, say in a class in Romans, I asked them to write a summary of the book of Romans and then share that with three non-believers and then write up what happens. Now, when I first proposed that, the students were a little um, uh, hesitant. They said, can you do that? Can, can you make us talk to non-Christians? Is that, is that allowed? I said, well, I, I think it is. I'm the teacher, so... Um, so uh, they went out and they did it, and the stories that they began to share were just awesome. Um, one was a, a guy named um, um, Denis, uh, French for Dennis. He's an engineer and he, um, in, in Belgium, and he decided to share with three of his colleagues um, his summary of Romans. So uh, one of his colleagues is a hardcore atheist, one is a Muslim, and one is a non-practicing Catholic. And he asked if he could do this project with them, and they said, sure, we'd love to give you a hard time, so, you know, let's spend lunchtime together, and so he did that. They enjoyed that, and then he was taking a, another class on the pastoral epistles. Um, that's First and Second Timothy and Titus. So he said, well, if you like this, can we do First Timothy next week? And they said, sure. So they met the next week and did First Timothy, and then uh, he said, well, I've got two more to do. You guys want to do that? And one of them said, yeah, but you know, from now on, I'd like to read through this, this book before we talk about it so I can talk about it more intelligently. He said, good idea. So they did that for four weeks. At the end of that, the guy said, so what else do you have for us? And he said, well, you know, I am actually, a, I have a full-time job here. I, I don't have any other classes. And they said, well, you know, can we keep doing this? And, and he said, well, let's go through the Gospel of Mark together. So this summer, there's a Bible study going through the Gospel of Mark, 
in a Belgian engineering firm at lunchtime once a week. Um, praise God. So uh, once I heard that story and a few others like that, I said, okay, sorry, students. I'm going to assign this every semester, whether you like it or not. And uh, that's been a great chance for students to be able to um, rub shoulders with uh, non-believers and to be able to share what they're learning and share the good news of Jesus. Well, I wanted to finish with a, another discovery I made. It was in uh, going through um, Revelation. Revelation 3, you probably know. Um, there's the letters to the different churches, and Revelation 3 is the letter to Laodicea. There, um, Paul, uh, rather, uh, John is writing, but God is talking to these churches, and Laodicea is a church that has a problem. You probably know this verse. Um, you are neither cold nor hot. Because you are lukewarm, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Have you heard that before? That's it. That verse preaches well. <laughs> People pay attention when they hear that. That is, whoa, in your face. Because this church um, is lukewarm. It's not passionate about its relationship with Christ. They think, and this is what the, um, God says to them, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They think, because they have wealth, that they have arrived. They don't have other needs. But God says to them, that makes you blind to your real need. Well, after that, a couple of verses later, uh, God says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So why is he saying this? The, you know, this classic verse that we use, uh, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Why is he saying this? Is this just to really um, wipe out the, the church in Laodicea saying, I just want to uh, lay you guys out and, and be tough with you? Well, he wants to get their attention because he loves them. And they've lost this passion, but he wants them to find it again. He doesn't want to just write them off. He wants them to come back. And then there's this verse that you've probably heard before, and it's used a lot of times in the context of uh, evangelism, but the original context here is this, um, uh, this church that, is, that has lost its passion. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's what Jesus is saying to those who have lost their passion. It's something I need to hear from time to time. Sometimes I lose the passion for ministry, the passion to be doing really what God wants me to do and to be sharing the good news of Jesus with others. To people like that, and maybe that's you here this morning, God is not saying, I, you know, I, I just want to write you off. He's saying, I, I love you, and I'm standing at the door, and I want you to return to me, to have that passion, to have that, um, that desire to be living for Christ, to be growing in Christ, and to be sharing the good news of Christ with those around. That's the offer he makes. So I want to end with a, a challenge. The challenge is, first of all, individually in your life, where is mission in your life? Are, do you have those around you with whom you're sharing the good news of Jesus? Uh, one woman in my class, um, she said, as she was working on this project to share with non-believers, she said, you know, now that I'm at the Bible school, I spend all my time with other Bible school students. On Sunday, I go to church. I'm involved in a Bible study. I, d I don't know any non-Christians anymore. That's a shame. She said, this, this assignment has made me realize I need to, to be involved in the world around me. I need to be rubbing shoulders so that I can share the love of Jesus with other people. Um, that's something that uh, it 
convicts me sometimes. It can happen to me as a, as a Bible teacher. It can happen to those in church where we're involved. Uh, our life becomes church. That's not completely a bad thing, but we do need to be involved with our neighbors and those who don't know Jesus. So where is mission in your life? And secondly, where is mission in the life of your church? Now, I know you support us, and we're thankful for your uh, partnership uh, over time, but it needs to be more than just supporting missionaries. It needs to be, you know, reaching out to those around. And um, that's something to, to consider regularly. Are we involved in reaching those around us? Um, it's easy to become involved with internal church stuff, and we need to always remember that we have a mission to be involved with the world around us, to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father God, I want to thank you for this church and the witness that this church has been, the support that they've been um, to us over the years. But God, I want to pray for this church, that it would not rest where it's at, that it would not be comfortable, but God, that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit would be moving this church forward to be reaching those around them, that the good news of Jesus Christ might go out to Temecula and, and those around. God, that, um, that this church could be a light, uh, a lighthouse in this dark world. Thank you, God, for what you've already done here and continue the work, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951 676 2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.